Hello, friends. Greetings, my friends. I'm LD Madera, and welcome to another episode of Improv and Magic. Folks, this is another exciting moment for me because today I get to talk to one of my childhood heroes. In the world of magic, this man is a legend, and I feel so honored and blessed and happy to have the opportunity to speak to him. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today is Jeff McBride. Jeff is known as one of the world's most innovative and exciting magical performers. His shows have won rave reviews and standing ovations in Vegas showrooms, theaters, and arenas around the world. Jeff has also had multiple television appearances on such major television shows like The Art of Magic, an incredible documentary on PBS, World's Greatest Magic, The World Magic Awards, Masters of Illusion, VH1's Celebra Cadabra, Chris Angel Mind Freak, and Penn and Teller Fool Us. And yes, Jeff did fool Penn and Teller. And if that wasn't cool enough, Jeff was also a special guest star on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Jeff McBride has won numerous awards and honors, which include Magician of the Year from both the Magic Castle and the Society of American Magicians. He's a FISM World Champion. He's won Stage Magician of the Year from the International Festival of Magic. He's been voted Best Magician by the Las Vegas Review Journal. He's a three-time award winner by the Guinness World Records and was inducted into the Society of American Magicians Hall of Fame. To say I was a little nervous about this interview is a big understatement. This is one of the many magicians I looked up to as a young teenager, and, well, I really didn't know how this was going to go. But Jeff was such a nice guy, very patient, very respectful, and very happy to be here. You can tell that Jeff really likes to help people, and this was a big favor he was doing for me, so thanks so much, Jeff, for making this happen. My friends, you are going to love this one. Let's not waste any more time. Here is the man himself, Jeff McBride. Ladies and gentlemen, this is an absolute thrill. Joining me now is the amazing Mr. Jeff McBride. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing today? Well, hello from Las Vegas. I just got home from tour, and I'm really looking forward to talking to you and uh, sharing some magic with your listeners. You are one of my childhood heroes, and this is such a gracious thing for you to do. So I honestly cannot thank you enough for spending time with me today. Well, when you approached me and you sent some of your uh, past episodes, I listened to them and I thought you were doing really great work. So I wanted to support what you're doing. It's, you know, it's my turn to give back to the magic community. Magic has been really wonderful to me in the magic community. And it's my pleasure to be able to share some of my stories with your uh, with your listeners. Wow. Thank you so much. Let's go right to the beginning with you. Uh, where did you grow up and what was growing up like for you? You know, I grew up really isolated from the magic community, and I think that's why I appreciate the magic community so much, because it's really hard to um, 
you know, I didn't know it was hard. I, in retrospect, it was hard <laughs> compared to today's <laughs> standards. I grew up in a little town in upstate New York called Rock Hill, and there was no magicians up there. I mean, occasionally there would be a magic book. I could find a magic book in a library, in a public library, with maybe one or two. And then when I went to the the high school, I, you know, I learned about the uh, the magic section, and uh, they had like four or five books in there. And then I got really chummy with the librarian and they would send away to like the inter-school libraries to bring in the magic books for me. And they were really precious. So I, I learned through books, really isolated in upstate New York. I, I would hear legends of this guy named Kilcoin, who was a bar magician at this uh, little, little bar called Kilcoins. And uh, he did bar magic. And I begged my parents to take me there because... When I say I'd like magic, everybody go, oh, have you heard about this guy, Killcoin? He does bar magic and you should go see him. And I, you know, got to meet this guy and he was just like a really good kind of Chicago style bar magician, you know, and he found his way to upstate New York. His name was Ali McCoy. No one really knows this guy. Only a couple of us uh, like uh, Roger Nico and I have kind of carry his memory because he's kind of his history has been erased but you know he showed me stuff and i ran into uh at a a rare show at a bungalow colony upstate new york in the catskill mountains there was this guy old timer named hal fields was was kind of a vaudeville guy and he was a a student of cardini's and he kind of took me under his wing and 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 taught me so mostly books and and occasionally i would run into a magician up there but magic was a very rare thing today you can listen to podcasts and get on the internet and you can just learn the secrets of magic, you know, by, by trolling the internet. It's, 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 it's amazing the amount of resources uh, students have today. You have a wonderful style of performing and it's so unique and it's so beautiful. How did you develop this style of performing that you're so well known for? <clears throat> well, I think that everybody out there listening can develop their own unique style of magic by doing what I did. And that's combining your magic with your other passions. I just happen to like martial arts and masks and mime and monsters. And, uh, and I folded all of that into my magic. You know, I studied judo and karate and I had a passion for masks and, and uh, pantomime and folded that all in. And I think if you're interested in comic books or if you're interested in, uh, you know, horses or if you're interested in politics or if you're interested in sports, you can fold that passion into your magic and create this kind of fusion of storytelling about what you're really passionate about and illustrating it with magic. Magic is, you know, I call it magic is visual metaphor. And if you can take your life and your stories and your passions and be able to share those things. And, and while you're doing a, a, a magic routine, well, then you're going to have a great life and you're going to be able to stand out in the crowd instead of being lost in it. Most people think magic is just about the tricks, but my teachers like Eugene Berger and Max Maven and Johnny Thompson, it's like the, 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 the tricks are a vehicle to, to share your story, to share your point of view. And that's what makes uh, magicians like David Copperfield and Penn and Teller uh, so memorable and they stand out is because they're sharing their point of view, their stories, and um, they're 
their magic takes on a depth and they project through their magic a a, a a rich interior life that's filled with things other than tricks. When you were developing your own style, did you ever find it difficult to stay true to the character that you were presenting? You know, I <laughs> experimented so much that being true to anything was was impossible. When I started magic, I was imitating, you know, anybody I could possibly imitate because I really do think we have to imitate before we can innovate. I don't think you can give anybody a piano and say, here, write a concerto. I think you have to say, here's some sheet music, imitate it, try to get it down. Here's some more sophisticated sheet music. See if you can play it like this great master. Uh, here's a guitar. Here's a guitar lick. Can you get this guitar lick like Steve Vai? Can you, can you, can you do this like Buckethead? Well, once you be able to imitate that, maybe then you can push the boundaries and innovate. But I think that, uh, Personally, for me, my big influences when I was growing up, you know, when I saw Doug Henning, I was in a Doug Henning phase. When I saw Richard Ross, uh, I was in my Richard Ross phase of being a famous Dutch manipulator. When I saw Jeff Sheridan, I wanted to be Jeff Sheridan. When I saw uh, a video of Fred Capps, I wanted to be Fred Capps. And then I started to see videos of, uh, you know, Marcel Marceau, and I wanted to be him and do magic. And then Alice Cooper and do magic. And I started to take all of these inspirations and it was a big mashup and a fusion of all of these different influences. My martial arts teachers, my mime teachers, my dance teachers, rock stars, all of these things contributed into making me me. But it wasn't about staying true. It was about being very fickle. It was about going from inspiration <laughs> to inspiration and trying different facets on. And then finally, through talking with other magicians and other people that I respected, cutting away the things that weren't me anymore and then becoming my own my, my own performer instead of imitating anymore, I was, I was innovating because I was picking up so many different influences that it was unrecognizable, my original influences. If people have been tracking my career at all, and many, many of the young viewers won't know Al Flosso, the Coney Island faker, um, I worked at his magic shop when I was a teenager, you know, going to mime school in the evening. But Al Flosso was famous for a piece of magic called the miser's dream where he'd call a kid up from the audience and then pull coins. But it was much more than pulling coins from a kid's head and, you know, costume and everything. It was his relationship. And he was a very fast talker. Well, when I was very young in my early teens, maybe I saw Al Flosso perform this routine and I tried to, you know, first of all, it was on television. We had three networks. There was no video recording. You saw something on TV once. And then you had to like try to memorize what the magician did and then maybe attempt to repeat it. There was no rewind or play again or surf the internet to find another version. There was none of that. So I'm young. I see this thing once and I try to copy it exactly. I try to copy this guy. I do a terrible job of it, but at least gets me up on stage. And then after years of performing, you know, his version I stopped talking and then it slowly developed into my version and they're unrecognizable side by side. 
it's still a young kid and a magician on stage with coins, but the bits aren't the same and they're very, very different. So if you put Al Flosso on one side and me on the other, you know, to do a, com a comparison, you will see that there is an influence there. And early on, I did attempt to imitate him, but over the years, I grew into doing something else. And I would encourage other performers not to you know, copy other people and to reproduce their work on their TikTok or Instagram. I mean, there's a lot of that going around where people just take a trick, they buy a trick, they do it once for the camera to get it right, and then they go on to the next trick. I would, I would encourage people to study masters, study their timing, and then see how they can make it their own. And I think that uh, that's a good formula for success. It worked for me and it just might work for you. I recently got the chance to talk to John Sterk, and we had a great discussion at some point about the need to emphasize performance quality over technical skill. In your opinion, which do you find more importance in, performance quality or technical skill? Or is it maybe somewhere in the middle? Well, we'll, we'll start by saying it's somewhere in the middle, but it, Juan Tamarez, I get to... Uh, teach with Juan at these master classes that we put on in, in, in Europe, around Europe. And he has got this great story talking about which is more important technique or presentation. So imagine this, and this is Juan Tamara's story that I'm recounting in my way. You get invited to a beautiful dinner party and the invitation arrives in the mail and it's on beautiful stationery with vellum and it's calligraphy. And it says that you're going to get picked up in a limousine and you do. And you dress for this and you're, you're whisked away in a beautiful, elegant um, limousine and you're driven to the countryside where there's beautiful gates open and there's a long driveway that goes up to a mansion with marble columns. The presentation is exquisite. There's candlelit steps that you climb up and then you enter the foyer. The host and hostess are charming and they greet you. There's chamber music, live chamber music playing. There's beautiful flowers everywhere. You walk into the banquet hall. There's candlelight. There's there's silverware on the table. The presentation is absolutely gorgeous. And they serve you with the plate of food. And the food tastes like crap. <laughs> it smells bad. You can't eat it. It's, it's just the worst food you've ever tasted. Well, the presentation was very nice, wasn't it? But the technique is awful. So that's the way he relates it to you. Now, I can listen to a good storyteller tell a story and perform an awful magic trick, but it's still an awful magic trick. You know, so is it somewhere in between? Well, no. Tell an excellent story and perform excellent magic. Let's get real. Hmm. Very, very true. Very, very true. Um, one of your most famous pieces that you've been doing for many years is this wonderful piece called The Rainmaker. And I love it so much because it looks so lovely and it looks so simple. And I don't mean the method is simple. I mean, it just looks like a simple presentation. I don't know what the method is. I don't want to know what the method is because it just looks so wonderful and beautiful. How does simplicity play into your performances? Well, Sharing time with Max Maven, he conveyed to me that there are two kind of arcs to a performer's career. One is expert complexity, and the second is expert simplicity. When you are starting off, you have to learn basic techniques and then learn more and more complex techniques. 
Much like playing the piano or a guitar or musical instrument will take the piano. You have to learn your scales. And then after you do that, you learn to play your chords and melodies and harmonies and all this other mag- uh, music theory. And then on and on and on. And you gain techniques and you gain mastery of complexity. And then depending on how much you study the complexity of magic, there's a lot of complexity in magic. It's not just about the tricks. If you're going to actually perform and produce magic on a professional level, you have to learn about lighting and costuming. You have to learn about stagecraft. You have to learn about box office management. You have to learn about how to ship your 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 props internationally to uh, brokers that are at the other ports to be able to get them through customs and and all of these other complexities of advertising, marketing, box office sales, uh, it's it's incredibly complex, and that's you know just the game of show and business. However, once you reach a certain point, where some people reach a certain point, maybe in midlife, they start to value expert simplicity, and they realize that sometimes when they streamline things, they can get more done efficiently. And I would like to say that Thurston and his water fountains were maybe the inspiration because that's the first time I ever saw an overflowing coconut shell or a bowl of water that was inexhaustible. But in order to do this, you rather you had to have a stage full of stagehands plumbing and suspend these water tanks from the rafters to get the 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 hydraulics right to push this water through this invisible tube up through <laughs> up into the coconut. Well, that's expert complexity, isn't it? And in the history books, we see pictures and photographs of this uh, this classic Japanese effect that was been interpreted by modern stage illusionists during the golden age of magic. Wow. But I realized, you know, maybe I can do that with just two empty bowls. So I did spend a great part of my career doing an illusion show, getting our illusion show into container trucks and shipping it around the world to Asia and back and training assistants and hiring lighting crews and all of that stuff. That's really complex. And now at 63 years of age, I can get my entire show of the pieces that people want to see and a couple of new surprises into my bags and get on an airplane and fly anywhere in the world and do exactly the same thing. However, I did have a master teacher, Eugene Berger, who traveled the world with a deck of cards and a spool of yellow cotton thread. And he was on all of the same TV shows as the illusionists were. He was on all of the same gala shows as the the Franz Hararis and the Pendragons and all the big illusionists. He was on all of the all of the same dinner parties and 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 society events. And he only had to carry a deck of cards and a spool of thread. So there's a lot to be said by that. And that's what maybe I can pass on to your listeners. Hmm. Very true. You mentioned. Being able to learn from Eugene Berger, Max Maven, and Johnny Thompson, and you've had the opportunity to collaborate with so many great magicians over the years. What has that experience been like for you to collaborate with all of these other masters of this field? Well, I think I've been very blessed to be the recipient of all of this uh, magical knowledge that I get to pass on to our students, either through our 
live classes or our weekly classes online. And uh, that's kind of a great responsibility for me to be able to share this knowledge with them because I've collected all these stories and these techniques. And most of them are not published because as Eugene used to say, the real secrets of magic are, are not on books or DVDs or videos or on TikTok. The real secrets of magic, the real secrets of magic are handed down from teacher to student in whispers. Hmm. So there's many things I will never put into writing. There's many things I will never put on video. A lot of the stories and the techniques and the subtleties of magic, I value very much. And I'm just going to pass them on to students that take the time to meet with me. And they can meet with me online. I do uh, every day. I'm online mentoring people around the world, doing Zoom sessions. Every Monday night, I'm online at um, magicalwisdom.com. We have our Mystery School Monday. And we've been online for 13 years and our students gather every Monday night for a, a Zoom class on different subjects in magic. And we've been doing that, like I said, over 13 years. We were do we originally started on um, live stream. And then when Zoom came along in the pandemic, everybody got on Zoom and we switched over to Zoom, of course. But we're dialed in. We've been doing weekly broadcasts for over 13 years every Monday night without missing a Monday. And any one of your listeners right now is invited to come. Uh, we do one open class a month that is totally free. It's an open house. It's the first Monday of every month. You can go to mcbridemagic.tv, and you can also watch back episodes. You can join the class. Uh, I think it's less than a dollar, a dollar less than a dollar a week to be able to join the school. How about that? And you get access to all the you know, many of the back episodes at different levels of membership. So we do make our, our ourselves available. We do a lot of free classes. And then like this week, uh, this weekend, I have our card magic mastery class where I work with six students for three days at the table because that's the maximum I can work with and have everybody give personal attention. And that's for um, magicians at all levels uh, come to our school. And the week after that, we have our weekend of wisdom, which is storytelling magic and philosophy. And we have about maybe 15, 20 magicians around a campfire. And then during the day, we give um, talks and teachings on magic. And uh, there's shows and lectures. And in the evening, we have special guests. Uh, this year, we have a special emphasis on fire magic. Each year, we, we kind of pick a different element to work with. And uh, our big gathering that everybody is invited to, no matter where you live in the world, is magic and meaning. Magic and meaning gathering is held online. Uh, and it's like the it's like the TED Talks of magic. We have all of these people from around the world doing these 10-minute talks. Then we have live shows that are you know live on the internet. We have small group breakout groups. Then we have longer lectures and and uh, and uh, secret teaching. Uh, and it's a wonderful way to, if you want to dip your toe into the magic and mystery school, if you're mystery school curious, our magic and meaning gathering, you can find that. Uh, about that on magicalwisdom.com. Because one of the things that we realize, you know, is that there's so much information out there. We're drowning in information. We get these push emails every day from all of these dealers. We see all of this stuff on uh, social media and we're drowning in opportunity. And what the mystery school is, is we are wisdom filters. We're professionals that have done this, that know, and we can help. And what we do is we filter the good from the bad. 
we separate the wheat from the chaff and give our students the very best information and teaching and training to make their magic meaningful and better. And hopefully they'll have more enriching lives because of it. And the people that they share their magic with will have more enriching lives. And that's what we feel is important. Hmm. You've had this incredible career and you've been able to work with so many great people and you've been able to do so many amazing things. As you look back at all of your years as a magician, what personal reflections do you have? Well, it's wonderful to see our students go on to fame and fortune. And Eugene used to say that the goal of the teacher is to help students surpass the teacher. And, you know, when I, number of years ago, a young kid, 12 years old, came to our school, and we usually don't take people that aren't teenagers, but he had a passion for magic, and his name was Matt, and he wanted to be the sleight-of-hand guy, and he then graduated, you know, college and went to the college circuit and then took his act on America's Got Talent, and Matt Franco was the first magician to win America's Got Talent. And I have students that have won FISM and I have students that have won international competitions. And then I have other students that are not professional magicians, that are hobbyists, that just want to do great shows. And they come here and they go, how do I do a great show for my friends, my family, my colleagues, my office? I do a couple of events. I want to do some magic socially. And it's teaching them the secrets of success to empower their vision too. Not everybody is going to be a professional magician. In fact, the greatest demographic of people that are into magic are magic enthusiasts, are hobbyists and people that are passionate about it. That's the biggest demographic. And that's a lot of the people that are attracted to the magic and mystery school are not only the people that are on a career track or want to win competitions, but people that just want to win at life and maybe do magic as a as a serious second hobby or be able to do magic for their friends at a high level, instead of just buying tricks on the internet and then stumbling through the trick and getting on these forums where people are just screaming at each other. They want to come to an oasis of sanity and wisdom in a sea of chaos. And we offer them that here at the school, whether it's online or whether it's in person. Hmm. There's so much more I would love to be able to talk to you about, Jeff, but I know we're just about out of time. So I'll go to our final question. And this is the same question that I ask everybody who is a guest here on the podcast. And that is, what's the one piece of advice that has served you well that you want everyone else to hear? My dad shared this with me. He said, Successful people like to do business with successful people. And there's many ways of looking at that. But if you're a student of magic, find someone who's experienced and successful at it and get mentored by them. Absolutely wonderful. Jeff, thank you so much for spending time with me. This is such a personal joy and honor, and I wish you continued success throughout the rest of your career. Great. And, you know, thank you for inviting me on the show. If people want more resources, there's a lot of free resources and videos that people can check out at magicalwisdom.com. Go there, take a look. We have a free magazine called The Secret Arts Journal. 
We have many free pep talks, which are our magic version of the uh, TED Talks. And there's a lot of essays and information there. And hopefully we'll be seeing you either online or here in Las Vegas at one of our classes. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Jeff. Well, I definitely learned a lot from this great man, and I hope you all did too today. Thank you so much, Jeff McBride, for being so kind and talking to me today. And thank you so much for being so giving of yourself and for being a mentor to magicians all over the world. My friends, if you'd like to learn more about this incredible magician, I invite you to visit his website, mcbridemagic.com. And as you heard from Jeff, if you're interested in learning magic from him, visit Jeff McBride's Magic and Mystery School at magicalwisdom.com for classes online and in person. I want to once again give a very big thank you to my friend and president of the Society of American Magicians, John Sturk, for helping me make this interview with Jeff happen. John, you're the best. Thank you so much, my friend. And of course, my thanks to all of you for listening today. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. If you don't know by now, you can visit my website, togetherbymyself.com, to learn about my solo improv show. Contact me anytime to perform Together By Myself at your venue or event, and for magic shows for all occasions. You all mean so much to me. I hope you all know how much I appreciate you. Have a wonderful day, and see you next time right here on Improv and Magic. Thank you.